Hey, everybody. How are you today? It is us. We're back. With the nine yards. Whole nine, all of them. All, all the yards. Yeah. It's not that truck of um, concrete. Cement. Yeah, cement. No, oh, no, it was concrete. They're I don't different. know. What, concrete have stones in it? What the heck is this? Cement has aggregate in it. Concrete is the is what's in the truck. Right? I'm, Someone I, write in. It's okay. It's not that, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know. We don't think so, though. No. But we've got more to do. We do. Good thing. Always we don't have to dwell on the nine yards idiom. <laughs> I don't know this topic as usual. Man, I should really bone up on my topics. <laughs> oh, what's this umbrella? Um, all right. right, so there's no there's no uh, umbrella. Yeah, these are maybe they go together. You know what? You know what? Sometimes maybe the greater selves, our greater selves, are smarter. And after we do all of the shows and we hear it next we will, week, yeah. edited, we'll be like, oh, a topic you know will what? be revealed to us. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. Mm-hmm. That's gonna happen. I feel good about that. Yeah, it'll help me name it later. Yeah, well, you're yeah. going to need a name. i got to have a name. Show B's not going to cut it. doesn't really do it. So what are your words? What's your phrase for the top here? Uh, my first phrase is get your goat. Ah. Have you used that phrase before? Sure, I suppose. I've yeah. used it. Yes. We, I generally use it to mean uh, to be annoyed or to annoy. If you say, I'm going to get your goat, you're going to annoy someone. Or if you say, that got my goat, that really annoyed me, right? Right. I think I I think I think only employ it in the self-goat-gotten ways. Like that guy that really got my goat. gets my goat. Yeah. I don't know what I'm saying, except he, he, he angers me or frustrates me or both. Like some combination of, yeah. Yeah. That's that's a great way to go with it. Uh, word and phrase origins uh, from 2008 says that high-strung racehorses often have goats as stable mates. And one theory is that the goats have a, a calming effect on the horses, so that the you know they're they're buddies. They grow fine. I mean, I, I've seen I believe I've seen video of this on the internets of horses with little goat friends just kind of romping around. Um, so yeah, the, so, so if you got somebody's goat, right. would it mean that you've taken away their comfortable balancing, uh, persona? It's the horses, I guess they, you know, they grow attached to their little, their little buddies. And then if, if you, if they don't see their friends, they get upset. They get visibly kind of thrown off their game. Uh, some might say thrown off their racing performance. Hmm. So, uh, people said that seven, 19th century gamblers used to, uh, actually go in and steal goats from horse stables if they wanted the horse to lose the race or you know a practice or like come in come in worse place they'd actually go in and and steal this horse's goat so that the horse would become agitated and not focused that doesn't seem nice no right no and you know uh i'll punch a guy taking a horse's goat (laughs) (laughs) um i like that story but it doesn't have a lot of evidence to support it. It's got some. I mean, I'm sure I've seen the goats with the horses, but yeah. there's no, you know, like we do, there's no evidence necessarily. Is um, it greatest of all time? Maybe it's that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like that. 
Um, the the first print entry uh, is in a story about a burst water pipe that was printed in the Stevens Point Journal in May 1909. The article says, uh, wouldn't that get your goat? We've been transferring the same water all night from the tub to the bowl and then back again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, that's nice um, I got no valve here. Right? Okay. <laughs> I can't find it. It's, it's rusted or, uh, yeah, oxidized. Yeah, uh, Jack London was one of the first to use the expression in like a, you know, writer sense, a famous novel, uh, Smoke Below, 1912. Uh, it doesn't reference racing, uh, and it sort of implies like being afraid rather than anger. Um, afraid? Yeah. Your turn, he called across, but just keep it coming and don't look down. That's what's got my goat. Just keep it coming, that's all. <laughs> Get a move on. It's all mighty rotten. Uh, you know, also, the, the, folks have, have attempted, remember, man, hearken back to when we could record in the same room together. Yeah. And we did an episode about animals and I, I did scapegoat, right? Which was, yes. Yeah. It was, I mean, this is, this is back early episodes. <laughs> um, so people have years and years <laughs> ago, <laughs> it was, it was like months ago, but it feels, yeah. Um, people have tried to connect the get your goat phrase with the scapegoat, the, the Hebrew tradition that I that talked about then. Um, but, the you know again it's not a strong connection necessarily we're not there's no evidence that that links it to that just more people trying to link things yeah, there listen yeah. anything with just the, a goat, goat right you thing, can't just <laughs> there's nothing to do with cheese all right <laughs> oh but you say oh come see on see what you're doing now um we'll get to that but the uh, some people have also said oh you know it, goat and goad very close together yeah goad means you know angry irritate so i mean that that to me is a solid evidentiary you know not it's again there's no evidence evidence but yeah no come on <laughs> um but as you said uh the cheese an old french phrase oh i i, I wrote it down where is it prendre la chevre mm, I'm, i think i'm hitting the, the re's at the end too hard probably Pr- prendre la chevre <laughs> means to take the goat, which dates back to the 16th century. Uh, a dictionary of slang and unconventional English says that to get someone's goat may come from the French expression, as I said, prendre <laughs> la chèvre, which means to take the goat. To take the goat, apparently, in order to get the milk, to make milk and cheese. <laughs> in that... It, from where do you take it? You take it from a, just a, a, a goatery, you know, your neighborhood farm or, or wherever. You stole, you've stolen a goat. You've you absconded, you've goat. absconded with a goat, yeah. Okay, but why? That doesn't to make get milk you and angry. Cheese. Maybe no, it but, makes a previous goat owner angry. True, it doesn't relate in the idiom sense. No. In, the, in that, but it is, it's, I mean... It says that it may come from there. The, I mean, and who's not to trust a dictionary of slang and unconventional English? I mean, you know, come on. Who no, are we? yeah. Who are we? So, yeah. We've got lots of theories there. I think that 
the closest evidence may be the French one, but also the goad sounds kind of, you know, plausible. <laughs> the less fun one. It doesn't involve stealing animals. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we got a lot of goat stealing. Yeah, the... Yeah, you know, we have our opinions. I like the uh, I like the French the French one. As you like saying that chevre. I wrote it down. I, I listened to the pronunciation. We're trying. Yeah. Yeah. Got to be got to do better. We, we can do this. Uh, yeah. So uh I hope I, that didn't get anybody's goat. My starts and stops on that one. Uh-huh. How's uh what's your first phrase? Well, mine is just joshing or joshing. Uh, all right, so so joshing. Joshing. What what does that mean to you? You're just joshing. I'm just kidding. I'm just, just I'm just fooling around. Just fooling around. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much it. That uh, some people like really dug into it and and um, loved the idea that joshing was you were clearly uh, involved in a more playful form of teasing and not a bullying mm. form of teasing. If you were joshing someone, yeah. it was it was all everyone was smiling. Lighthearted. No, I that's I feel like that sticks. Yeah, for sure. So I'm going to tell you um about uh, how this phrase was coined. First up, uh, there's this fellow and he was alive in the late 1800s. Okay. I mean, he was an adult fellow by the late 1800s. Adult man. Yeah. Fellow. That's it. This is this is a story that is enjoyed by by all. Um, I guess our uh, our federal mint created some coins back there. We were just talking about this the other day, the silver dollar and everything. Well, we were. We were talking about the yeah, the gold dollars. They made in 1883 this this big nickel. Okay. And it had a, a Roman numeral five on stamped on it. Okay. And um, a Liberty Head nickel. Okay. All right. I believe I've heard of this. Yeah. Uh, but somehow they forgot to put five cents on it anywhere. So it was a good looking coin. <laughs> and it had a Roman numeral five, but it said five dollars, five. Right. You know, what was that? So it's just a Chuck E. Cheese token now. Yeah. And our friend recognized this. Uh, many of the uh, tellings of this story uh, say that that our friend was a, was a deaf mute as well. I'm not sure that it it, it 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 might be relevant in how this how this unfolds a little bit because um, apparently the five dollar piece at the time looked very similar, but was gold. I'd really like to have one of those. Wow! And um, yeah, five dollar coin. Yeah, right. Hmm. And so bulky. <laughs> Sorry. Oh yeah, it was feel good. You'd have like a little satchel you'd wear around your you coin know? purse. Yeah, yeah, you gotta. And so, anyway, man, I got a lot to tell you. <laughs> so this, uh, so the, so he he found some people or did it himself. I think he he found some people to help. And so they they did it. They dusted it with um with gold. They took these nickels. Oh. And sort of did a, a quick gold plating that was a lot cheaper than five dollars. Sure. Five dollars back in eighteen eighty three was a lot of money. Yeah, and you don't want to like spend the money on the gold just to plate the fake 
Yeah, now, now you're just, yeah, now you're it's just, an you're exercise in futility. What are we doing, guys? Yeah, okay, all right, nice. So then, uh, because he he had a, his, you know, a disability, he he would go into stores and, and select something that was five cents or less and hand yeah. them this. Yeah, yeah. And that way, if um, if they busted him, he was innocent right. and would say, I'm just buying a, a five cent thing. And but most of the times they'd give him back four dollars and ninety five cents. In and if they busted him, he would say, "I couldn't, I couldn't speak or right. tell you. I wanted to tell you, you, but I couldn't do it." You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his name uh, was Josh Tatum. Josh Tatum. Yeah. Wow. Um, American hero. Uh, <laughs> um, so right. Well, I mean, Josh taught them, and they learned. And you know that's why the, you know, our money has those metal bands and the bills yeah, and the sure. different pinks and stuff. Anyway, the Josh Tatum story is enjoyable, but likely not uh, the reality. But darn it! But but here's the thing. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm going to take you back a couple more degrees on this, and like if I. And started saying something, and I was the first one to start saying it, like um, uh, loop to Skippy. And loop to Skippy meant um, I'm going for a, a walk. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you know? sure. And then like you and Rebecca and a few other people around me knew it and started saying it a little bit. Yeah. But I keel over. You have kids somehow. <laughs> and And... <laughs> And your kid says it to a couple kids, and then the grandson says it. They say it, and then for some reason, at one generation, it takes off. Or one of them's a writer or a journalist, and they put it in the print, mm-hmm. and then it really takes off. You know, yeah. some things yeah. are germinated and take a while. Or, sure. you know, two generations later, there's a there's a guy named Skippy, and then they he walks a lot, and then they say, you know, loop the Skippy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Then yeah. it culminates in a new, these things happened all the time. Yeah. Yeah, you so, can find maybe an earlier use, but it had nothing to do with that. Well, Josh Tatum, you know, the, the phrase might have been lingering around on on the simmer. And then Josh Tatum and someone said, just Josh and huh? <laughs> and then, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, okay, I digress. Oh, all right. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> what we have here, though, okay. yeah. um, there's a fellow and also, you know, he began writing in 1863. This fellow, this Hen- fellow. Henry Wheeler Shaw. Okay, and um, he used to write sort of uh, jokey stuff and sort of um, uh, malapropisms, and 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 he would he would mess with the language. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a fun. You know, back then they would fun. have fun in actual intellectualizing some stuff. You know, yeah. it was nice ideas. Ideas. Yeah. And he wrote under a, a pseudonym of Josh Billings. Hmm. And so a lot of people say it's because of Josh Billings. Was this column called Just Joshin? Uh, no. <laughs> but he had other, you know, he had stuff. Sure. But that isn't possible. And let me tell you why. Ooh. Because some of the earliest references that we have in print of people using this in this way go back way before our coin buddy and and this writer fellow uh, and take us back to 1845 and 1852. I, I don't need to read those, but know that it's in print back then. Okay. 
Now, Ray, I'm going to I'm gonna ask you to hearken back. Oh, we're hearkening in this one, too. Nice. Yeah. Let's hearken. All right. Yeah. But this is, a, this is an immediate hearken to a very recent episode. Okay. Maybe it was last week. Possibly. We don't know. I'm not sure. I think it is. Okay. <laughs> um, remember Jaybird I had? I do remember that. Yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot and ask oh, you if you no. remember how what we really netted out on Jaybird. Uh... I think we ended up with it like it ended up being kind of being about a rube, like a J was was a, a yokel. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Nice, good five stars. Thank you. Um, so this one, coincidentally, we have two of these in a row. Oh, and man, I guess there was a lot of that back yeah. then. Um, <laughs> Yokels. Well, I, I mean, yeah, because. Yeah. Uh, Josh is another one. Yeah. Josh and and Rube. Yeah. Which is from Reuben. Okay. And Hick know that. is quite possibly, according to a couple sources, from Richard. I didn't dig down on that one. What? Okay. Yeah. That's fascinating. I know. I did not know Rube was for short for Reuben either. Nor I. Yeah, that's again, did not dig down. Uh, but this was this was in a few books. All right. So where you know so where this nets out is uh, again you're gullible, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm uh, putting you on because you're easy to put on. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm just joshing you, but I'm not the Josh. I'm making you the Josh. You're the Josh. Yeah. You be the Josh. And, and no offense to all of our listeners named Josh. No. Uh, this is just. I'm finding this out just while you're finding it out. <laughs> we're, all, we're all finding it out together. <laughs> I just live here same as you. <laughs> yeah. So, huh. yeah, it was kind of fun. Yeah, okay. Josh, so, wow. Uh, but, you know, while that was existing before it all, and then it was in print, and then, uh, you know, that writer went with Josh Billings and, and did sort of um, make fun of people and make fun of the language humor writing mm-hmm. and then our our fellow i i guess ended up getting arrested uh for the coin counterfeiting yeah also named josh josh tatum and all of those things probably really culminated and then what what you see is what i keep seeing a lot of yeah. late 1800s into the early 1920s is where a big thicket of it arises in in local newsprint all over the country. Mm-hmm. So you see the use of it r- really swell there and then and then taper in. Nice. So there, there's, yeah. there's what you got. I like that observation. It puts things in perspective too. Yeah. It, it is, it does. Sometimes it takes time. It goes away and comes back. It and, takes time. Yeah, nice. Just you know what else takes time? What takes time? Uh, <laughs> not much though. Our ads. Yeah. Support Whole 9 Yards and make your life easier with Instacart. Online grocery shopping made simple. Instacart connects you with personal shoppers in your area to shop and deliver groceries from your favorite stores in a single order. Products you love from local stores, hand-selected based on your preferences. Many items may be delivered in as little as an hour. Instacart helps to save you money on your favorite items and recommends new products that you might also love. Instacart, the most convenient way to shop. Whole Nine Yards is sponsored by the Roberto Clemente Museum. 
Located in a restored engine house in Pittsburgh's revitalized Lawrenceville neighborhood, the Clemente Museum is a showcase of the largest exhibited collection of baseball artifacts, works of art, literature, photographs, and memorabilia related to Roberto Clemente and his life in baseball. Shop the store for clothing and other items featuring the iconic 21 logo and purchase tour tickets for the museum at clementemuseum.com. Enter promo code W9Y21 for a 10% discount on hats and tees. That's clementemuseum.com, promo code W9Y21. Whole Nine Yards is sponsored by Big Science Music. Big Science Music is a can and one show award-winning original music and sound boutique, providing scoring, sound design, radio, podcast, and audio post-production services for the advertising, film, and video industries. Big Science Music also offers ADR, casting, and project management. Big Science Music's reels, full capabilities, and more can be found at bigsciencemusic.com. That's bigsciencemusic.com. And we're back for more. That was good. They were good. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to jump back in. Aren't you? Yeah. Still no topic. None that we'll find, but we'll, it'll come out. We'll it's figure gonna, it out. It's gonna, yeah. It'll come out in the wash. In the wash. Everything will pan out. Okay. I'm just yeah. throwing them out everywhere, guys. Well, that's a that's going to be a gold, yeah, right? A gold sure. rush guy. I didn't say they were no, yeah, complicated. And the wash, you just look in the, you yeah. know what I mean? Came out of the wash. I always have I always have a dime down there trying to screw up the bottom of my agitator. Yeah, to peel out. I've also really good at washing uh, Kleenexes yeah. or receipts. You I'm could gonna... wash them as long as you don't dry them. <laughs> well, no, of course, they, they end up all over your sweatshirts. Yeah, yeah that's no. really a problem. Yeah, but we digress totally. Uh... The world is my oyster. You shall not want. I shall not want. <laughs> oh, I was going to do that too. <laughs> um, the world is, is your oyster. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. You we got say this. That. Well, this is, a, this is a listener suggestion. Let me say that. Oh, it's a listener suggestion. This is suggestion. a listener suggestion from Tiff on Twitter. Oh. Yes. Um, well, she should have told you that when she uses it, it means uh, I I can do anything I want or something like that, right? Yeah. I I wrote I, you can achieve anything you wish. Yeah. Right. That's exactly what you said. Yeah. 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 Right. And you know, as as we do, we do some digging. So I started digging for these oysters over here, uh, and what I'm here to tell you is that there are some folks who theorize that this phrase. Uh, comes from the fact that, uh, you know, we, we know that the oceans have currents and things like that, right? Like the world, the globe has currents to it. Air sure. currents, wind currents, ocean yeah. currents. Oh, yeah. So, folks, uh, some people think that the ocean currents, uh, they send, they push, like they, you see, they push on these oysters uh, and they, they carry them all around the world. Really? So that's why we say the world is your oyster. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but seriously, folks. Yeah. Um, it, this phrase comes to us from uh, a longtime family friend, uh, William Shakespeare. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's that's it, not a disputed fact. This is a fact. He first uses this phrase uh, in his play, The Merry, Merry Wives of Windsor, 
which was published in 1602, but probably written before that. 16 when? 02 was when it was published. Yeah, 1600s, you know. No, I know. That's the time. Yeah, no. He's pretty solidly in there. I feel like we, we come to him once an episode. Yeah. There's more there's more to come too. <laughs> don't don't worry. <laughs> um yes, in the play The Merry Wives of Windsor, uh two characters are talking back and forth, uh, Falstaff and Pistol. Falstaff is a character that Shakespeare uses. I believe he's kind of a a knight of sorts and uh he's he's up to in, impropriety with some of the local local ladies. I mean, you know. Yeah. Um so Falstaff is telling Pistol I will not lend thee a penny. Pistol says, Why then, the world's mine oyster, which I, with sword, will open. And then Falstaff says, Not a penny. <laughs> so that F- Pistol is, is using the world, the, the phrase, the world, it's mine oyster. But, you know, same. World's my oyster. And a lot of folks have, have some different ideas on how Shakespeare was intending to use this kind of phrase, as, you know, as people do. Uh, a concise dictionary of phrase and fable says that uh, Pistol is going to use his sword to extract money from an unwilling world, which is not really related to how we use it. He's kind of, uh, he's going to take his sword and he's going to open up this world and get the pearl or meat from it, possibly with, with violence. The sword implies violence in, in, this, in this interpretation. Which, you know, shucking an oyster is, is kind of violent, right? You, you jam in a knife and like kind of pop it open. Like yeah. Throw. I, I'm not a professional shucker, by the way. So if anyone wants to elaborate uh, on how to shuck an oyster, I'd be happy to learn. You can leave that. They give us some listener thoughts on that one too. You know the My idea. My mother of, was a shucker. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But like, the, so the idea of you're gonna, I'm gonna use this very large knife, a sword, uh, to pry open this tiny oyster. You know, it kind of just it implies a violent end versus. You know, go on, go on, kid, grab life by the hojos and get your pearl. You know, go out. You can do anything you want. Doesn't the rest of the story give us more clues as to how he implied it? What does the guy who said it go on to do? But they, see, Pistol is a, is a character. He, you know, he's, he's one of those, from what I gathered, he's, he's not happy. He's, he's allowing bad things to happen, and he's being paid to allow them to happen. He does not want to do this anymore. Pistol wants, this is some theories, Pistol wants to, to, to change his lot in life and go out into the world and seek his fortune and not earn his fortune by getting paid by Falstaff to, to run interference, basically. But he's also saying, in context, he's like, you know, can you lend me some money? And he says no. And he's like, well, I guess I have to go out with my sword and find it. But some folks do. They take a positive spin on it, saying that he's using the word sword to be supplemented for the word skill. Like I'm using my talents to go out into the world using my skills slash sword to, to gain my meat or my pearl, uh, my fortune. Does that make sense? Yeah. There's theories. I mean, I don't know where to go with that. I mean, that's, that's what I mean. There's a lot of people it's disputed because Shakespeare's use, I think he's using the, the oyster, the, the, you know, the, the unkind world, unkind means so it could be an unwilling world i guess not an unkind world you know an oyster is is shut you have to pry it open it's not gonna you know pleasantly open yeah so you know but there's uh, especially in 1602 (laughs) i mean you had to do you had to work 
Sure. I mean, I don't know if we've modernized the shucking industry. Again, I'm not a I'm not a shucker. Well, it's metaphorical. Oh, right. Yes. Similar to what you said, like uh, the phrase goes dormant uh, for almost 200 years before it kind of res- resurfaces. Ha <laughs> In the Oyster 1800s. Floats up. Yeah, in the 1800s, and then it comes back into uh, comes back into circulation. I guess is is their popular language would take it. Huh. Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of opinion on what Pistol was up to and what his what Shakespeare was saying, as as there are. And yeah. I'm open to more thoughts about it, for sure. I mean, it just strikes me like he was saying, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna do by any means necessary." Right. Right. That's, I don't, that's, that seems pretty clear. And if it takes being a little uh, aggressive, or in, or in this guy's case, maybe a lot aggressive, mm-hmm. still he was gonna do it. That's sort of where I'm leaning as well. But that, I mean, it, the origin is William Shakespeare, Merry Wives of Windsor. The character's name is Pistol. Act two, scene two. What's, uh, what do you got? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I, you know, it's just reflect. You know, I, I guess I'll eventually get back on that horse of trying. There was, uh, I haven't tried to read it any. I went to some plays it moves very fast. That language moves very fast. It's mm-hmm. like I'm trying to hold on. Uh, so I, I, need, I need more time. I guess reading it would help. It's like I think reading it would help and then seeing it after that. Right. Yeah. I don't have a lot of success reading plays. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's nice to see, uh, you know, see it, what's intended, and then, and then how it manifested yeah. uh, through a director and all these individuals. I agree. In the organic world. And you know what they do when they're on stage exchanging ideas? Perhaps they bandy about ideas. You know what I mean? I, I do. I think they may bandy about, you say, as you say. Yeah. Bandy about. Huh? So that's my uh <laughs> nice. That's my word or phrase, you know, bandy. Bandy about. Or is it just bandy? Well, that's the funny thing, oh. uh, but it's only moderately funny. We, <laughs> we, we say it. You never say bandy without saying about. True. You know. Yeah, Q without a U. Come on, yeah, yeah. There's there's some of those things that don't need to be that way. That sometimes I have a pet peeve about. Example, you know, they say like, I I, I can't make this happen in any way, shape, or form. They do say that. Yeah, and I'm like, God, jeez, yeah, we don't need all those. Yeah, it's all the same word. Yeah. Well, shape and form, way is more of a. Yeah, but I mean, it just it was, we just, we need another word. Yeah. Anyway, right. you get threes. Comedy comes in threes, guys. Come on. Right, or, or just one better word That's would replace uh, those three. Always. You know, pedestrian words. Yes. We we just yeah. We have words that do that. Yeah. Anyway. I just got to read more Nabokov. Yeah. Um, so, it, Bandy. Mm-hmm. Jeez Louise, let's Bandy. get back. If I could just get back to my original face. <laughs> Here we are. I have it. Now, this is, this is a, a, a fairly direct, and yet it has uh, tentacles. Now, it goes back to 16th century French bander, and I found it in a couple of those weird old dictionaries I have. Yeah. Um, Spanish bandier. I don't know how they said it, but that's how it looks in mm. writing, right? You might really find this a, a little bit extra enjoyable. Okay. 
I don't know because uh, anyway. The snort will decide. Uh huh. Well, not in that way. Oh, okay. But this this one doesn't have a twist and turn, or it might be that, or it might be this. Okay. This one is one thing, and, and and one thing only, sure. except that it it is, it, it has a meaning. That meaning was applied to a game, and then the game, uh, and the meaning became uh, useful in in a uh, figurative way. So. Bandy, fifteen mm-hmm. seventies to strike back and forth. Oh, right, sure. So uh, this turned into. I was it go to the badminton? Um, not badminton. Okay. This was some form of tennis. So there's a chronicle of it being used in the late sixteenth century that kind of uh, suggests that you bandy a ball and this game that is uh, strikingly uh, a lot like tennis. Uh, that that was played early 1600s, late 1500s, yeah. and there were, I suppose, older forms of tennis where even the walls were part of the court. But you know, you know, yeah. I, I mean, as soon as early man, I don't, I don't know if it's going to be a you know a caveman or, mm-hmm. but as soon as you know, you had a, a woolly mammoth carcass. Laying there, and and yeah, and you lived by a stream, and then you had some time. I don't know when you had some time, but as soon as you had some time to develop play, I mean, hitting a stone with a stick, <laughs> it's got to be like one of the very first things. And smacking yeah. that stone with a stick to another guy, smacking it back at you, right. that has to be the first thing yeah. people did. Yeah, like hey, we don't have to. We can, we can, we got, we got farms. We don't have to go hunt. We can kick the stick back. At yeah, the let's take a little time and. S- yeah. Smack this stone around. So, I mean, I mean, come on. Sure. So, that being said, uh, you know, whatever it was called, it. I mean, you're hitting, you're hitting a. Mm-hmm. You got a little sphere there. It's playful. I don't yeah. know what you made it out of, <laughs> and uh, and you whack it, and then there's another person, you know, whacks it back. Right. I mean, that's that's like a rudimentary Pretty, game. Yeah, like we now we need the- some rules. We need some markings. You know, <laughs> add some stuff to from it from that shrubbery to. to <laughs> so this hat's first base, and if you go to the driveway, it's out of bounds. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so it was tennis. But I'm going to take a pause before I, I finish that up and, and tell you where else it goes. Okay. And and just run you through a few of its metaphorical transitions, which were right in there. And, and I'm, uh, sh- our, our buddy Billy Spear, uh, Shakespeare. Shakespeare. <laughs> I like that, Billy Spears. Billy Spears. King Lear, 1605. Do you... Bandy looks with me, you rascal. Ooh. Right? Yes. There's a usage. That's nice. And then, uh, you know, uh, 1767, 1831, there, there are these kinds of uses all through six, uh, 17th century and, and, and on these kinds of uses that took it from the the ball. The, the stick. Into, the, you know... Bandying words mm-hmm. and bandying looks. Nice. Yeah. So that was simultaneous, you know, that sort of developed out of mm-hmm. it. Yeah. But with the or- original definition, as far back as we can see, meaning to and fro or back and forth, mm-hmm. 
because indeed, you know, I'll tell you this, some of the earlier definitions didn't say strike back and forth. It was just to and fro or back and forth. Which one was first? If, if, if the definition is simply back and forth, right. to and fro, there is no correlation to the physical versus words or, right. you know, whatever. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't relate physically. It's hard because it's a sport and so everyone wants to lay claim to inventing the sport. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult to see without it being my full-time job. That isn't your full-time job. <laughs> so, uh, but the best, I, so, you know, this form of tennis yeah. was, it was in England. Now, the Irish apparently seemingly quite plausibly turned it into a game with sticks with crooked edges, which look a lot like a hockey, hockey stick. stick, yeah. And they played on on earth, smacking the ball around between two fellows with crooked sticks. Hmm. I, I've never heard this phrase, but they also sort of suggested it to be, I mean, you know, someone with, an, with a physical impairment, so it's cruel. Uh, but if someone had bandy legs, you know, I don't know if you, you know, if your legs, that's, that came up a lot. And hmm. I was like, I, n- I never heard of that or, yeah. but, but that just meant, you know, if your legs were shaped like the stick, because then the stick became known as the bandy. Oh. But the real crux of it is the evolution of the sport itself mm-hmm. in that it was the tennis and then it was this Irish thing like they called hockey they called bandy yeah because i mean that's dirt hockey i mean let's <laughs> yeah, street yeah, hockey yeah, let's hockey, let's yeah. call it you know, sure. call it what it is right yeah early cricket maybe I don't know. but well cricket had like that hammer yeah right? they and they mallets. also have those little hooky things and they go through yeah those little hoopies yeah so i know i'm sorry <laughs> sorry everybody <laughs> cricket people i don't know and then so hockey is is really bandy on ice. Yeah. You know, it's bandy like, on ice. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'll call it from now on. And you can't the intellectuals. You can't find anyone that will say it, you know, cuz if you look up origin of hockey anywhere, I mean, a, a Canadian guy will come to your house and kill you <laughs> if if it's not Canada invented hockey. <laughs> but I'm like, come on now. Some Irish guy landed <laughs> Right on the on the shores of Nova Scotia, had these sticks with him. He brought. I'm bringing my sticks to the new world. Yes, bring your sticks, and and they said, "Well, brother, we only have ice." And then boom, yeah, right. So I mean, yeah, he's now a Canadian. So okay, yeah. yeah, whatever. Yeah. I'm not saying anything funny. Right. I'm just saying. <laughs> so yeah, that's bandy about. Bandy. I mean. It, it, I, you know, I took I, I took some time with it there. I'm sorry. It's a simple <laughs> definition, but it has color. Color. It's nice. It's yeah, a little, color. you know, just colored in a little. Yeah. Like a book. Just like a book. Hey, did we ask our friends to, hey. No, feel Whole free. Nine Yards Pod, right? What is it? At Whole Nine Yards Pod. On At the Twitter. Whole Nine Yards Pod. And on the Instagram. And you can email us, too, at the hey you at whole nine yards dot org. Uh, Rebecca has that one nailed for us at the end. Uh, yes. Also the Facebook, Whole Nine Yards Podcast. Friend us, like us, send us stuff. Yeah, feedback. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm definitely open to, what, how do you shuck? 
And what's what's your thoughts on that? Right. <laughs> oh, there's so much. Yeah, so many. Yeah. So yeah, and that's uh, that's it. It's a it's a great day. And hello to you all. And now goodbye. I'm Jay. And I'm Ray. And, and we're, we're not, not idioms. idioms. Whole Nine Yards is written, recorded, and produced by Big Science Pods. Learn more at whole9yards.org or contact Whole Nine Yards by emailing heyyou at whole9yards.org. That's heyyou at whole9yards.org. Whole Nine Yards theme music composed by Big Science Music. Music.